Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Well, we're back with a COVID echo. Isn't this this crazy? We went from not putting out an echo every week to this is our third in a week. I know, and... Well, just okay, so Molly knows, got excited because I gave her a shout out in the last one for being consistent. So I'm going to give her another shout out three in a week, sister. Uh, super Molly. Um, but yeah, we got a call <laughs> about six days ago and on a Friday, I think it was last Friday. It was. And Minnesota Academy Family Practice said, how about we start doing the COVID echoes again? And we text back like, yep. How about Thursday is what we texted <laughs> back. How about next Thursday? And so we pulled it all together and they, they were making phone calls and calling the governor's Office. And they got Chris Ayersman, and she's fabulous. And Yeah, so for those of you who maybe weren't with us at the beginning of COVID, which is kind of right around the time we started this podcast in the first place, like we kind of yeah, did it all simultaneously similar. because why not? Um, we had done 44 previous episodes from uh, the beginning of COVID. And when yeah. we started this extra teaching thing in the state of Minnesota where we t- taught all the people all around the state all sorts of echo topics, from all the specialists, which you're about to get back. Um, we always try to podcast so people could get the the summary. Yeah. And so. And I think if you have not listened to any of the COVID echoes, if you want to hear the history of how COVID evolved. Man, if you go back to our first podcast uh, we, and COVID. There was so little known. Uh, and we were reviewing, there were papers coming out every day. And we were actually getting them from Washington you recall, we were getting, mm-hmm. uh, we would look on there every week and there would be new uh, articles on COVID and uh, the virus and whether it was live virus that was on your table. And I mean, there, there was oh so gosh. little known. Was Remember it the, 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 the study on, in the cruise ships. Cruise ship like, studies. If you want to hear about the beginning of COVID, I feel like. Start over. Oh my gosh. Listen to some of those because it, it's, we're never going to erase those. Cause and, well, the funny part is, is so this is totally COVID episode number 45, but we had uh, 12 bonus COVIDs where we went through studies, like Kurt and I read all the updated studies so people could learn it all. Um, it was brutal. Yeah, dang. And, and the whole world was shut down, and, and it was like there was very little. So, yeah, if you want the historical side. So today. Today, nine months to the day after we did our last COVID, COVID echo. echo, so we we're are back. back. Sad. I mean, this isn't a good thing. No, it's and not. Chris Ayersman, everybody knows her and should love her, although not everybody does. I'm sorry, but everybody should love her. She's from MDH. She's a nurse. She's the one who's always on the news talking about the epidemiology and what's going on. I think she said it best. She started her talk with the quote, it's deja vu all over again from Yogi Berra. Did you write the name down, names down of the people that help her? Oh. Um, I did. I only have their first names. It is yeah. Ashley, or excuse me, Aaron and Alex. Yeah. So Aaron and Alex, huge shout out. Awesome slides, awesome stuff. We're hoping to steal you and get you on our Echo as well to talk yeah. about all your stuff Stat too. Stuff. But, yep. um, Hospital stuff. Thank you. Yep. So, so we're going to move right along, and we're going to talk a little bit about what she summarized for what's going on in Minnesota. Uh, just so you know, we're bringing back a lot of our big speakers, so please uh, go to the MAFP website, and you can hook up with the, uh, with the, the Echo. We're going to bring back Dr. Shacker from the U of M, uh, 
We're going to try and bring back our friend, Mike Osterholm. We are going to try to bring back Mike Osterholm. I mean, he was on twice, so I'm hoping he thinks we're cool because he is from the U. Well, at least he'd think I was cool. But we did get one confirmation within a half an hour from the Mayo Clinic's going to be back. We're looking at uh, Children's Hospital. A lot of pediatrician, pediatric stuff. We'll get to that. So Um, we've got to find Jerrica Burge. Jerrica. So, yeah, all All the old fun people are going to come back. And wastewater. I mean, that sounds... Weird when you say it, but man, if you haven't heard the wastewater stuff, especially if you live anywhere near central Minnesota and Morrison County, man, that's going to be a good one. Yeah, because our wastewater counts for COVID are sky high, says the people at the U. I guess you should have been vaccinated, Little Falls. Yeah, if you want to, even if you're not necessarily medical and you want to learn about any of this COVID stuff, you can just Google Minnesota Academy of Family Practice, Family Physicians, click on COVID, register. practice, sorry. Okay. Physicians, I actually Googled it, so Mariah didn't get mad at me today. Um, anyway, a lot of the data we're going to go through, um, just if you want raw data and don't necessarily know how to read it, we're going to go through how to read it. But if you go to the MDH website, they have so many graphs and charts, Charts and statisticians are way too smart for me. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk talk about hospital beds, Dr. Bell. Oh, no, we got to go way back. Oh, we're going even further back. I'm going way back. Oh, we're still at deja vu. We are at deja vu. You know, obviously, since the 4th of July is where her graph really showed it's been primarily a Delta variant. Um, And well, it's it's like ninety nine point like eight percent Delta now. Isn't that crazy? In Minnesota. If you look back to November of 2020, just a year ago, can you believe COVID's been going on? I think the first case, what was it? back in no we'd idea. have to go back to our first it's been two years so anyway in november of 2020 all the positive cases you know were between 19 and over 65 if you look back at september 1st of this year all the cases are in the 15 to 18 year old age group prim- not all primarily the biggest group and uh five to eleven biggest group five to eleven and that's because only they've only been able to be vaccinated for the last 10 days and that, I mean, that's really amazing. Months. It's this total shift where you've had all of these um, people in older aged adults. We have, remember, we had older that. people. We had a podcast about how you say that since I'm 60. But anyway, um, and I think the other thing that was really amazing was the indigenous group. Oh my gosh. The, uh, if you look at their rate per 100 people, it's like sky high compared to the rest of us. Per 100,000. Yeah, per 100,000. I sorry. mean, it's astronomical, and I was going to ask her about that. We just ran out of time with her, but holy goodness. Yeah, and so, actually in their young people as well. So it's right. not just, uh, it's really the whole group. So, so, you know, if you look at another interesting thing she brought out is the time it took us to get to 100,000 cases. So in spring of 2020, it took six months. So even though COVID had just started, it still took six months to get to 100,000 cases in the state of Minnesota. Fall of 2020, it only took a couple weeks. So that was obviously that big, huge surge when everybody went distance learning. And now the last month or so, it is quite steep again. Yeah. I mean, we're just going right back on that curve where it's it's skyrocketing. I don't think they really know where it's going to go. I mean, like how high is it going to go this time? Right. It doesn't look like it's slowing down. In fact, she talked about how things had changed even the last few days, how it just keeps going up. Right. Um, you know, they said like... Long-term care, though, so the deaths, the time to two to 200 deaths when this all started back in the spring of 2020, it took six months to get to 200 deaths in Minnesota. It 
obviously skyrocketed in the fall. It's not super high right now because of because of immune people being immunized. Well, um, she said there, there's much fewer deaths in the in the long term care in long term care because most of those people are immunized or vaccinated, and so they're. You know, of course, once you're vaccinated, your risk of death is really small, as is your risk of hospitalization. So that's that's the interesting part of this is although it's shifted to the younger people, uh, there is less death because of that. Right. The PEDS cases the fall of this year have been the highest. Um, That is kind of who's, I mean, back to school and all of that. And, you know, the 12 to 18 year olds have been able to get vaccinated, but the 5 to 11 year olds only for the last few days. Um, And And actually, if you look at the hospitalization since June of 2021. Let's look at them. The zero to four year old group. Yeah, was the highest. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. And the problem is, of course, and we'll talk about this, some of the issues with uh, beds. A lot of issues with beds. Um, The... Percent positive, and we did, you know, she kind of talked about this and whether this is going to be a good study to look at over time. Probably not. But currently, the chances of you having a positive test if you go get swabbed right now is about 10.5%. Yeah. And actually, I believe in the St. Cloud area, it's actually much higher than that. Yeah. Uh, So, and that's why I believe the National Guard is sending a team in, a medical team in this week to kind of help. Everybody's getting tired. But I mean, since the beginning of school, it was only 6%. So we've almost doubled in, what, two months. Imagine if I doubled my weight. (laughs) (laughs) That made no sense at all. But okay. Um, But doubling's big. I mean, imagine if you doubled your weight. Okay. That's that's terrible. So let's look at some vaccination statistics. Uh, Long-term care, you know, I remember doing a podcast about how devastating it was when COVID hit long-term care. I mean, I remember when it hadn't, and then I remember when it did. When it started, it I was just, like... I feel like we are like pioneers. We remember. It seemed like there were people that I knew, physicians, that didn't think it would happen. Hold it. Yes, there were. Just a few. And it did. It did happen. It went into long-term care, and it... And a lot of people, unfortunately, did not do well. What's but interesting, though, is that initially um, the cases were primarily in the residents. And then that was in the fall. And then in the spring of 2021, it, all the cases were primarily in the staff because they crazy? pushed the vaccination. The older people got it first. And the younger people did not. And now there's more of an equal because obviously as waning immunity, more people in the community, it is going to fall over, but the deaths are still dramatically down in long-term care. And that is because, what is it, 65 and plus, the vaccination rate is 96%. Yeah, it's like 90 plus. Yeah, it's amazing. So anyway, huh? hospitals. Oh man, there's no hospital beds. I mean, I talked with an ER doctor probably two weeks ago. And he said that he spends more of his time trying to call places to send people than he does seeing patients almost. I could not possibly write down every single statistic here. Now, the statistics I am going to tell you, because I'm pretty sure Kurt didn't write them any of them down. I've got them all. Are based on 10 days ago. So on November 8th was the last time these were all posted. There were There's 130 hospitals in the state of Minnesota that have medical surgical beds. Only 5% had availability. 5% of beds were available in medical surgical units throughout the entire state of Minnesota for anything, not just COVID, for anything. And I think the disclaimer on that as well, and we talked about this a couple times during Chris's visit with us, is that staffing is an issue. Staffing is a huge issue. We don't just count beds. Yeah, it's not about beds. It's about beds that you can have with the staff. Do you have staff for those beds? And if you look at ICU, there's 68 hospitals in the state of Minnesota that have ICU level care. 
as of that date, there were only 3% available. That's not a lot. So don't have anything bad happen to you, like a major trauma, heart attack, stroke, any of those things that you can clearly predict. I, I think there's a better solution. Get vaccinated. No. <laughs> Everybody get vaccinated. So almost half of the beds. That way beds, we wouldn't need the beds. Almost half of the beds in the state were related to COVID. Peds. Peds. I cannot wait until we have the children's Minnesota people on again because pediatrics is such a huge thing. Plus, I'm biased. I have four kids, three of which have been vaccinated on day one of vaccination. Yeah. It's so, total tangent. But peds ICU beds. There's eight hospitals in the state of Minnesota that have peds ICU beds. There were 6% available. 33 hospitals in Minnesota have med surge beds for peds, only 3% available. I had that stat. I was going to, you were supposed to pause. So oh, I could, can you talk about the ERs then? I, so we could kick it in. Uh, I'm not sure if I wrote down much about the ERs. because. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Okay, there is a study. Uh, Jeffrey Dichter, D-I-C-H-T-E-R, was just published in the Chest Journal. And this is because, and this has been talked about a lot with, physician colleagues actually my husband had a patient who a kid who had some weird bowel stuff sat in the er for a day and a for half how long a yeah, day and, and a half and what's the average the average is four hours yeah. like there's a hundred average 129 patients a day not just kids a patients a day that sit in an er for four plus hours waiting for a bed huh. so this is in addition to the time they've already sat in the er getting worked up like once they say you need to be admitted Four plus hours. Well, but there's this, a lot of ERs where people are sitting in there for days. That's what I just, yeah. Yeah. This, um, so this study basically said if you're there more than six hours waiting for an ICU bed, your chance of mortality is just like, you better just. No, not your chance. Call, your, your mortality Your, your mortality is, is way high. You should just call the cemetery. And you thought, if you thought I wasn't listening. Don't call, don't, don't try to get into ICU bed. Just call, you know, your no. local funeral homes. Yeah. I mean, it's sad because we, there's a problem getting beds, and it shouldn't be. I mean, and, you know, one of the issues, and we talked about this towards the end, was, you know, they, they had this thing before where they were going to have these mobile hospital things, where they're going to put these things up so they could put have, have extra ICU space. But, again, it's about staff. About staffing. And we asked the question, so that C4, which is the number all hospitals and clinicians and ER doctors should have, um, it's on the MDH website if you don't have it, they still exist, but they're not able to place patients. That's how how busy everything is. They are only able to meet twenty to twenty two per twenty to twenty two percent of the requests today. They were completely closed. They could yeah. not help people there place no patients. Beds. So yeah, so that was pretty amazing. Then we spent a little time on vaccinations. Apparently, we got some award today. In yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota did. Yeah, about how their vaccination is going, but. Interestingly, that wasn't the one I was going for. <laughs> I don't know if we can use that during a COVID time. I was but going anyway, for claps. Um, but one of the interesting things that they showed where the where all the vaccines were taking place, and it was it was crazy how the majority of them were like pharmacies and big health systems. I mean, the pharmacies. Right. I got mine in a pharmacy. Me too. Went down to Coburn's, got her done. I got mine in GuidePoint in Brainerd. Thank you for being so awesome with my three kids. They loved you. Really, I have to give a shout got, out. Oh yeah, I. <laughs> I got mine at Cobra. They actually asked me if we could go back to that same place for their booster, you know, Friday after Thanksgiving because the pharmacist, I don't know your name. I'm sorry if you're listening, but he was fabulous. Huh. And it was quick and simple. Anyway, tangent. Yeah. And so anyway, so. Pharmacies and large health systems are primarily. And here's one of the, yeah. And here's one of the reasons that's taken place is because the pharmacies are often open a lot. 
and over and in the evenings and a lot of people especially people with financial issues are making they showed that people making less than 50,000 a year were very concerned about not you know taking the time off from work to go get the immunization and then the having to pay for travel yeah so so it made it much more accessible and i think that they've really worked hard at making it accessible time-wise for people. The other thing I want to comment on that is because she did mention that things that people are worried about, parents are worried about in getting the immunization if they, you know, have that cut off with a financial, um, is patients are worried they're going to have to pay out of pocket, but you don't have to for the COVID vaccine. I can't remember. I passed out after the shot. Anyway. Okay, it's not true. Interestingly, I think the, especially pediatric, the highest interest for pediatric vaccinations in the state, the metro area, the northeast part of the state, and the southeast part of the state. Wow. Not Morrison County. You know, they talked a little bit about the booster shot, too. And Minnesota's like number two in the nation for booster shots per capita. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, we're killing it. Um, but, again, I think we're in a county where maybe not enough people have gotten the, the vaccine. So I don't I think we're Vermont helping. Vermont is doing. Vermont? Vermont is number one. That's because they only have a population of 25. Yeah, there's like 75 <laughs> people there. They all got the shot. All right. So everybody's favorite topic when they're saying I'm an anti-vaxxer is vaccine breakthrough. Yeah, really an interesting thing. Oh, my gosh. But the interesting part of it is that, you know, you can't make assumptions about the efficacy based on breakthrough. Correct. It's very complicated. It is very complicated. She did this, and I actually wrote the whole chart down. I'm not going to read every little line, I promise. But they break it down by age. So the 12 to 8, 17, the 18 to 49, 50 to 64, and 65 plus, basically. God, you rest right fast. I do. And they have three different columns. One is positive cases, one is hospitalizations, and one is vac- you know, deaths. Excuse me. And how many people per 100,000 in these age groups comparatively, you know, vaccinated or not vaccinated. And so it's not a percentage. It's a how many people per 100,000. So let's just pick a random one. Hospitalization for patients in Kurt's age group, 50 to 64. Careful. Vaccinated people, 2.2 people per 100,000 versus unvaccinated, 22.5 per 100,000. That's yeah. a 10% difference. Well, no, but it's a, it's like 17 times higher chance or something like 17 that. 17 times higher chance of death in the 65 and older. Death? Now we're talking about death? Yeah. First I thought I was just hospitalized. Now I'm dying. Yes. But like, it's unbelievable. And if you look at the death rates in 17 and under, now this only goes 12 to 17 because, you know, kids under 12 have just been nobody. Zero. So. so they're spreading it to the people that aren't vaccinated, but they're just not dying. Um, they don't have serious complications. It's, thankfully. it's crazy. So, I mean, can you still get COVID if you've been vaccinated? Yes. Are you going to be hospitalized? Less likely. You're going to die? Probably not. Yeah. You know, nothing in medicine's a hundred percent. Nope. And nothing you buy on the internet or over the counter that's not FDA approved is even kind of a hundred percent. Correct. <laughs> Um, but basically, we are at the highest rate of cases in the entire of 2021. This yeah. is including back to the spring. At yeah, and I'm not sure, was this per day of 67.8 new cases per 100,000? Yes. Yeah. So Highest We haven't been the there year. for a while. So. Ever. Since 2020, I guess. Yeah, it's crazy. But again, different age group. So uh, again, it's it's not that the, the kids have big problems, but... 
they keep it alive and keep it moving to people who aren't vaccinated. And uh, we've had deaths in Morrison County. We have yeah. had deaths in Morrison County. We've had a lot of, I mean, the whole yeah. state, if you watch the news, if you get the alerts, um, you know, and I think it's important to look at these numbers and understand that not everybody who's positive actually gets a test. Um, I think it's important for, obviously, vaccination. I think it's also really important to, to still do the mitigating strategies. Yep. You know, if you Wear are ill, mask. stay home. Get yeah. a test so you're not spreading it. Stay home, six feet apart. You know, Thanksgiving is next week. Yep. And mine's already changed due to some issues. And so I think, you know, remember that, you know, you should know who's vaccinated if you're going to a big group. Right. I mean, that's a call I'm making. You know, who's vaccinated, who's not. You know. And how big a group. The medical director of DHS, Dr. Tramillo. Yes. On Twitter, it's probably been a week now, he tweeted, like, what they are doing for their Thanksgiving. And, I mean, he wants tests in his family and or vaccination. I mean, yep. it's... That's fair. That's fair. So, so anyway. I think, I think that's it. And we do not know who the next speaker is at our next COVID. Echo, please again go to MAFP and they will register you. There's 130 some people registered now uh, for this series. We don't know how long it's going to last. That's the cool thing. We're hoping I mean, that the next one <laughs> is Mike Ostrom. If you're listening, Dr. Mike. And think, we're thinking maybe he can do the. First of the year one. Yeah. Like fireworks. Yeah. But we have uh, on the ninth for sure is Dr. Shacker. Uh, we got Chris Hagen coming back, PharmD. Yeah, talk about the medications. Yep. Obviously the pediatric things. We're going to talk about vaccinations and we're going to talk about testing. And none of it we know. So we'll be learning right along with everyone. <laughs> so. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. We'll let Battle Lakes move along. Thank you.
Seem that hungry today. 